Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Our next guest, Christian Capel. He's been on some sidelines this season. He has literally been with uh, the Washington Huskies, one of the best stories in college football. They are undefeated. Christian Capel's work is undefeated. OnMontLake.com is the website. It's his baby. He's writing about the Huskies. You picked a good time to cover this team and make it your baby, man. What a what a magical run it's been. Yeah, it uh, it sure worked out, didn't it? I was um, the, the only the only thing is I didn't pick it, but I I certainly couldn't have <laughs> picked a, a better time if it had been up to me. Um, I was talking with someone the other day, like. Is there any time literally in the history of the program that would have been uh, a better time to start doing what I've been doing? I've, I've been very fortunate. Really fun to watch. There have been some close calls. In your mind, the game that was the closest call for Washington this season to this point? I think it's Arizona State. Definitely Arizona State. Um, that was the only one of those sort of yeah, they should have won by more type of games where at, at uh, a pretty late point in the second half, I was starting to think that they were not going to win that game. Um, you've got the, the pass interference call against Washington that gets picked up, and that's followed by a pick six, and, you know, the game completely turned on that play. But, man, they were just getting nothing done offensively. Uh, come to find out later, Michael Penix Jr. was pretty sick that game. I don't think he was the only one. They had some injuries on the interior O-line. Arizona State had an awesome game plan. They were pressuring like crazy up the middle, and the Huskies were just not getting a lot done. They turned the ball over four times. It just seemed like um, if it wasn't one thing, it was something else, and it was just kind of one of those games where, wow, it really feels like ASU is going to get them. But it was the first in a, in a series of weeks where they just found a way to, to get by. Christian Capel with us. Uh, the, the Huskies will go to Racer Stadium. This is a big challenge, and I think an opportunity for Washington to validate itself. Michael Penix Jr. certainly in the Heisman race. How is Kalen DeBoer handling that right now? Handling sort of the stakes of this game? Yeah, I mean to to hear them tell it and to hear him tell it, I think it's um, it's all the same, right? They they preach a, a one and zero mindset, right? Go one and zero at this day's practice rep, and one and zero in the weight room, and and one and zero when you when you get out there on Saturday and play a football game. So, you know, I think um, I think they've got data. Like we were just talking about the ASU games, the Stanford game. That hey, anybody can get you if you don't come to play. So the number 11 team in the country with an 8-2 record playing at home with everything still on the line, they're still playing for a Pac-12 championship game. The stakes are, are as high as really they've ever been for both teams, you know, talking about a game between Washington and Oregon State. So, um, I, you know, I, I think they pride themselves on keeping everything the same. They do mix in, you know, some historical acknowledgement when they accomplish things that haven't been done by a lot of teams in program histories. So they're 10-0 and 0 for the second time ever. The 1991 team that went undefeated and split the national championship is the only team to have ever done that at Washington. Um, I, I would imagine that that would be something that would get a quick mention. I know last year, going into the Alamo Bowl against Texas, um, you know, a carrot that they kind of dangled out was, hey, you know, you got a shot to win 11 games. There had only been four teams in school history that had won 11 games before. So you heard some players talk about that in a way that, 
made pretty clear that, you know, that was something that Kalen DeBoer and the coaching staff kind of put in front of them. So I think they do kind of acknowledge the stakes that way uh, while still kind of just emphasizing that, hey, you you won 10 games by sticking to the process and doing things a certain way, and, and that's how you want to do it this week as well. Christian, I think, you know, Kalen DeBoer is going to see Oregon State's defense. He's going to talk about how physical they are. But one area where I see that Washington could really – hurt Oregon State is down the field. They'll give up some big plays. I expect there, there'll there be some home runs in this game. How healthy is that vertical pass game right now, uh, and and how good is it right now? You get to see it all the time. Yeah, you know, they. Um, I think there was a little bit of frustration against Utah. I think Romo Dunze had 11 targets, and he caught three passes, but those three passes added up to 111 yards and, and two touchdowns. So they there were some shots they took. Of course, there were some some holding and pass interference penalties that they got called that helped to, I think Odunze would tell you, maybe a, a couple that didn't get called as well. But um, I, I I think that teams have kind of adjusted a little bit to, to maybe back off and give them some of the underneath stuff and try to take away some of that, you know, those, those real dangerous um, single coverage downfield shots. And, and they've responded by running the ball really well in recent weeks. Dylan Johnson went for 256 yards against USC and 104 yards against Utah. And so um, I think they feel pretty good about their balance. You know, Romo Dunze and Jalen Polk, they've been very fortunate to, to have those guys healthy all year. Odunze is over 1,000 yards. Jalen Polk is, is probably going to get there. If not this week, then, then next week he's less than 100 yards away. If they can get Jalen McMillan back healthy, um, that would be a, a real important piece. He hasn't played really significantly since he got hurt against Michigan State in week three. He was back in uniform against Utah. I think he played six snaps. You know, it wasn't going to be a game where he played a lot and got the ball thrown his way, but they got him going a little bit, and he didn't have any setbacks. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he might be a little bit more part of the game plan this week. Christian Capel with us on Montlake.com. He is the guy when it comes to covering University of Washington football. What scares you about uh, Oregon State if you're Washington? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be the pass rush, right? They're tied for the conference lead, I believe, in sacks, and um, they've got some some pretty good edge rushers. They play, you know, I, we were talking about this earlier. Um, they remind me of Utah just in the sense that you know what you're going to get. You know that it, the personnel almost doesn't matter to a certain extent. They're going to have guys who play 100% all the time, who are really physical. They're going to hit you. They're going to they're gonna play with attitude. They're going to try to make you play their style. Um, and, and it's going to be that way whether you, whether you win the game or lose it. So, you know, I, I think um, their, their pass defense has maybe been a little bit better than I expected just considering some of the guys that they've lost. But like you said, they'll, they'll give up the big play. Um, you, you look up and down their schedule, There's there's been some, you know, kind of surprising – numbers from time to time right giving up 40 points to cal and, and so i'm sure washington sees some opportunities there but yeah i mean i think back to that arizona state game and that showed that look if you can if you can consistently get pressure on michael Penix jr and you know force them to to make quicker throws and get a hand in the passing lane maybe bat a couple balls down you know get your hand on a, a pass that gets tipped and intercepted and those sort of things that havoc in the backfield can really cause problems so I would imagine that um, that they're really going to be trying to, to push those edges and get after him. Now, I, I feel kind of silly asking this because Washington's undefeated, but this game feels 
huge for Oregon State. Oregon State is searching for validation, wants to stay relevant, has no conference to be in next year. It is that stuff at all swirling or on Washington's mind that there's a little bit extra in this game for Oregon State? You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets mentioned at some point. You know, those guys those guys are on social media. They know what's going on. They they they're aware of the situation that the Washington's in with regard to their conference affiliation and the way things are changing and, and you know, I don't know that, that everybody's super plugged into the, the battle in the in the court, courtroom in Colfax that, that you were, were privy to yesterday, but um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure that comes up. But you know, I think everybody mostly probably just remembers last year's game in Seattle and that you know, that was a game Washington had to win twenty four to twenty one on a late field goal and really bad weather and you know, against a really tough defense and, and you know, I don't know how many opposing defenses since Kalen DeBoer has been there have, have been as successful of, as Oregon State was last year keeping the score down against Michael Penix Jr. and those receivers. So, um, yeah, I'm sure they, they remember how hard fought that game was. Oregon State had a defensive touchdown in that game, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think more than anything, they just respect the opponent. They know how good that program is. Christian Capel with us. Michael Penix Jr., you, know, you mentioned him being sick. I thought he was hurt at some point of the season. I don't know. How has he looked to you maybe in the last game and a half or two? Yeah, I, I think he's looked healthy. Um, and, you know, they had him um, – They had him. he scored a touchdown on a quarterback sneak. He scored a touchdown on an uh, uh, inside zone or an outside zone play where he was he was the back carrying it with Dylan Johnson as the lead blocker. They had, you know, they had him keep the ball on a, a read option play. He's been sacked a couple times and got right back up. So um, I know there was some speculation kind of about, well, maybe, you know, is it something with his ribs? He took a couple shots in that Oregon game and – they said he was cramping, but you know, was was there something else? Are they are they protecting him? Um, the illness thing does uh, does add up. You know, he had those two games, ASU and Stanford, where you know, even talking to him afterwards, you could tell he had that uh, kind of had that head cold congestion type of voice going on. You know, and and um, that's gone away. And I think you've seen him operate in a way that just looked more normal. He's looked himself. He hasn't put up the the biggest, biggest numbers, like against USC even, but, um, you know, that was because they were running the ball so well, right? So I just think the way he's carried himself and, and the way they've been willing to to kind of put the ball in his hands a couple different times suggests to me that he's feeling okay. I was looking at back at the Oregon game. Oregon came out of that Washington game focused. Washington didn't play as well. What do you think was going on there? Was there a psychological let, letdown, an emotional letdown? Was it just, hey, different opponents? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's always some of that. Um, I, I think ASU just got after him. I mean, if you watch that game, Penix was really you know running for his life. They bothered him a lot. I think they batted down three passes, and you know they had weird they had guys fumbling who don't fumble, right? It's kind of the same thing against Stanford. They, their defense did not play well against Stanford. Um, they were pretty thin at safety. They still are because of some injuries. Stanford definitely took advantage of that. They didn't tackle well. I mean, this just hasn't been a team that has tackled well all season. You watch them play against Oregon. That, that was a problem that day for sure. So, you know, I, I think um, I don't know if it was let down so much as, 
as just not finishing when they had opportunities to. I mean, even against Stanford, you know, they they got lucky sort of with a big fourth down drop by Stanford in that game when they they could have held on to the ball and milked the clock and maybe drove for a game-winning field goal. But, you know, Washington had back-to-back possessions with red zone turnovers in that in that fourth quarter too late in that game so you know just there's been there's been drives possessions big moments here or there where even though they've won all those games they had an opportunity to put them away a little bit sooner than they did were you surprised the spread shifted the way it did i mean it opens with washington two and a half three point favorite and very quickly moved the opposite direction that raised eyebrows It, it did surprise me it did surprise me um you know obviously Oregon State's good, you know they could. They're capable of beating anybody in the conference. They're uh, they're a top ten team in the, in the AP poll this week, and and for good reason. And you know they probably feel like, hey, you're a player two here or there away from from being undefeated themselves. So, you know, it's not like anybody would be just stunned if Oregon State won this game. But you know, being ten and zero and having won seventeen straight, and having taken care of Oregon at home, and and having you know beaten three ranked opponents and another USC on the road that was, you know, we all know is, is pretty talented, at least offensively. Um, yeah, to be an underdog this late in the season, um, even on the road, I, I, I am a little bit surprised. I I would have expected, and, you know, I think what it did open it, like Washington minus one or, or, or one and a half, somewhere in that range. Um, I would have expected it to move the other way a little bit. But you can you can see that the, the money's on Oregon State, it seems. We're talking to Christian Capel on montlake.com covers washington football kaylin DeBoer, uh you know i think oregon state fans are a little worried about losing jonathan smith but what has the conversation been like in the last 48 hours in your circle as it pertains to his job security commitment to washington the potential to be poached all of that yeah i mean washington fans definitely want uh, to see a contract extension or new contract done sooner rather than later you know i think that would be a a really big sigh of relief the day, uh, assuming it comes, the day that that news, you know, pops into your Twitter feed that, hey, you know, Washington's agreed to a new deal, paying him more. Um, you know, his his uh, current salary this year is $4.2 million. It increases going forward, and, and there's retention bonuses built in and everything. But, I mean, the fact is he's 44th among FBS head coaches at public schools in, in annual salary this year. So, Obviously, you know, that needs to be addressed. That needs to change. I would guess they probably need to get him up into the 7 to $8 million per year range. Um, I know that, uh, that that's a priority for new athletic director Troy Dan. And Kalen DeBoer said as much on Monday that, you know, he's been proactive about coming to him and, and getting talks started on a deal. So I'm sure they want to get that done um, as soon as they can and, and get it done to Kalen DeBoer's satisfaction, not just for him, but also for the rest of that staff, right? They, they increased their investment in their assistant salary pool um, by a, a pretty significant number this last offseason. They're top 10 in the country in assistant pay. So, you know, I'm sure they want to continue that commitment and, and increase that commitment and get him get him locked in and feeling good about his situation before, you know, a job somewhere else comes open that, that might be enticing if, if he's not locked into a deal that, uh, that him and his representation feel like is commensurate with, um, his place in the market right now. Who's like in Washington fans' minds? Is it a bigger threat that Jen Cohen at USC has an opening, and she turns to DeBoer, or is it some other job? Well, 
I think if USC opened for whatever reason, and I mean, what's the most realistic way that the Lincoln Riley leaves for the NFL? Is that is that probably what it yeah, would be? Probably, uh, yeah. I, I think that would make people up here quite nervous. Um, you know, it would, and I, I say that not because I have any particular knowledge of Kalen DeVore's desire or, or lack of desire either way to, to coach at USC, but like you just said, I mean, it's, it's a pretty easy to draw the line from USC has an opening. Jen Cohen is USC's AD. Jen Cohen hired Kalen DeBoer and, and thinks very highly of him and, and knows how, uh, knows how unique he is. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I think that would make people up here real nervous, especially if something like that were to happen, you know, before he signs a new contract. Um, and I think, you know, Husky fans also have their eyes on Michigan and, and what's going to happen there, what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. He looked real hard at the NFL last year. And now you've got the sign-stealing scandal and the suspension, and there sounds like there's going to be some sort of legal activity, and, you know, that's a whole mess. What's, what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh? What's going to happen with Michigan? Uh, I think that's, uh, that's the, other, the other job, the other school that Husky fans have their eyes on. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of Jonathan Smith fans at Oregon State are watching DeBoer going, hey, if that domino goes, Washington's first call, is, is it Jonathan Smith? Is it someone else? Yeah, I mean, I would have to think he'd be pretty high on the list, right? I mean, I know some of the names that circulated last time um, when they had an opening after the 2021 season. I don't think Smith and Oregon State were quite there just yet. That was a good year for them, right? They got back to a bowl game that season, and that was um, that was really proof at Oregon State that things were working and that they had it moving in the right direction and that, you know, now they could really start to plot and scheme about something even better than just getting to seven wins and, and making it back to a bowl game. But I don't know that Smith was yet to the point where he'd be, you know, on the short list for Washington, whereas now, yeah, I mean, they won 10 games last year. He's got a, a top 10 type of team this year. Um, you know, I, I think he would certainly be in the conversation. But, you know, also change of AD, right? Troy Dannon comes in with a, a different network and, and all those sorts of things. So it would be uh, – It'd be interesting to sit down and put that list together should it come to that. Christian Capel on Montlake.com. Appreciate you joining us, man. Good stuff. I will see you in the press box Saturday. Do you have a prediction? You probably like Washington. I mean, you've seen them win all season, but uh, do you have a prediction? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably am going to pick Washington. Um, I, I felt like the game at USC, I mean, post-Oregon, the game at USC was probably going to be their toughest challenge just because of how dynamic the Trojans are offensively. And, you know, that game played out for USC offensively kind of the way I thought it would, right? They gave up 42 points, but but they were able to score 52 and then get out of there with a win. So, um, you know, I think it will be decided by seven points or less. Uh, but I, I probably will pick Washington. Christian Capel, there he is, on his way. I'm leaning towards Oregon State. How do you pick against Oregon State in a game like Saturday? Steven, where are you leaning in that game? Right now, I'm leaning to Oregon State. The home field advantage is just so big at Racer Stadium. And it being the last, you know, this is very narrative-driven, but being the last Pac-12 game, I, I got to think Oregon State is going to be just so psyched and so hyped for this game. They're going to bring something to the table. We'll see what happens. I think Oregon State's going to be flying around. All right, I, I promised you some Blazer tickets. I've got them. Uh, here's our next opportunity. Uh, the Blazers will be playing against the Minnesota Timberwolves on February 13th. 
I've got two seats in Section 112, Row P. Uh, we are asking for a $300 tax-deductible donation to the BFT Foundation. First person to make the $300 donation gets the tickets as well. 503-417-7575. If you want to make a donation of $50 or more, the Shoe Mill Shoe Stores will give you a $25 gift card as well. Same phone number, 503-417-7575. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.